in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, family, let's get ready for the word today. Amen. I believe that God has a, a word for us today. I'm excited about. Amen. So let's, uh, let's get our Bibles and let's go to the book of John chapter 7. We're going to read two passages of scripture this morning. One of them's kind of lengthy, uh, but you can sit down if you like. Amen. So <laughs> one of them's kind of lengthy. So we'll start out John chapter 7. Let's go to verse 37. John chapter 7, verse 37. And I'm going to read verses uh, 37 through 39 right here. John chapter 7, verse 37. And I'm in the New King James Version this morning. Amen. Again, John chapter 7, verse 37. And it reads, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we see John has the hindsight uh, inside track on what's going on here. Amen. So let's let's flip over, if you will, to John chapter four. OK, John chapter four. And I'm going to read verses. I'm going to read verses three through twenty six. OK, so a little bit lengthy this morning, but we need to understand the context of what's going on here. Amen. So John chapter four. And I'm going to pick this up at verse three. John chapter four, verse three, and it reads, he, talking about Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed, watch this, he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She's still in the natural. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have, have well said, I have no husband. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. 
the hour is coming when you will neither worship, excuse me, you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. See, you worship what you do not know, but we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, verse 24, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, God, for the opportunity to be together even on the internet, Father God, virtually. Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus as this message would go forward. It would go forth, God, unhindered, God. It would go forth, Father God, without glitches, without any issues, Father, in the name of Jesus, God. For we all need to hear what you are saying on this morning. And so, Father, make it plain to us, God. Show us what you're doing. Show us, God, what you're up to in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, today. Speak your word. Speak clearly, O oh God. Get me out of the way and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll give me your attention just for a little bit this morning, I want to talk to you from the subject, obey your thirst. Obey your thirst. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Obey your thirst. You know, in the last uh, few weeks, a uh, couple weeks, we've been talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this will be another segment on that very same topic today. Amen. First, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, the fact that he came as another comforter, uh, in, uh, another comforter that would be just like Jesus to take Jesus place after he ascended back to the Father. We, we, we came to understand that the Holy Spirit comes and he is with us to convict us of sin and to draw us close to God. And then he's in us at salvation but that we can also receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be filled from on, with power from on high and he will overwhelm us or overtake us, amen? The promise of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, amen? It was accomplished then and Peter said, as he explained the phenomenon that was going on, he said that this promise is for you and for your children and for as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. Hallelujah. So we discussed on last week about the formula to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We said, what's the formula? And what we found out is there is not one single consistent biblical recipe for receiving the Holy Spirit for either what happens to you when you receive it or how you receive it. There wasn't a, a consistent evidence where we could say that this, this is exactly how it happens. Amen. It wasn't there. Amen. And though, although we understand that several groups teach a standard way to uh, receive and specific ex expectations at the moment of baptism, we believe that God will meet you at your point of faith. Amen. He will meet us at our point of faith. Amen. Because there's no matching biblical accounts in scripture that give us a consensus of the event. Now, what we do know is that there are three things that have to be in place in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you have to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. 
That is the prerequisite. Amen. God does not put his spirit in an unclean vessel. And the only thing that cleanses us is the blood of Jesus. Good works won't do it. Amen. Coming to church won't do it by itself. Guess what? You need to give Jesus your life. Hallelujah. And when we give Jesus our life, we're qualified. We're qualified. Amen. The second thing we need is to ask him in faith. Ask him for the Holy Spirit in faith. He said, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Amen. And so we ask. And then the third thing is to, to believe that he will fill us because we ask. Have faith. Have faith. Believe that from the moment you ask, it was already done. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then lastly, on last week we said, and this was really key, we said that what happens after you're baptized is much more important than what happens when you're baptized. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. What happens after you're baptized with the Spirit is so much more important than what happens when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, let's pull that up. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what happens after we're baptized with the Spirit is we're endued with power. We receive power. Glory to God. We receive not just, watch this, not just the power to do miracles, although that's a part of it that's good, but we receive the power to live holy. We receive the power to become like Christ. We receive the power over the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Amen. Glory to God. We receive the power to lay down our lives as witnesses to God. Amen. Hallelujah. We receive the ability to produce spiritual fruit as a byproduct of the, of the baptism of the spirit, of the indwelling of the spirit. Amen. We can produce now spiritual fruit. Hallelujah. It's all, all a part of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So before we start to talk, because in the coming weeks, I want to talk about, you know, if the Lord allows us, I want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and some of the other uh, external manifestations, if you will, of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there's another very, very important aspect of being filled with the Spirit that we have to cover before we can move on into these other things. Amen. And that's what we're talking about today. Obey your thirst. Obey your thirst. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ultimate thirst quencher. I'm going to say it again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ultimate thirst quencher. Amen. Let's go back to our, our first text, John chapter 7, verse 37. Let's pull that up. John chapter 7, verse 37 it says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it says, this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Amen. So he's saying, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And what I'll do in you is I'll cause rivers of living water to flow out of you. Amen. Now, it's important to really understand what Jesus is saying here. We have to go back and get the context 
of where he is when he's speaking this and what's going on in the background. Amen. Jesus always used language of the day. He always spoke to people where they were. Amen. And so the thing is, because we're not of Israel, because we don't live in Israel, we weren't raised in Israelite culture. There's a lot of things that go on that we can miss if we don't understand context. Amen. And so to really get it, we have to go back and see this in the cultural context of this event, okay? So this feast, he said right on the uh, in verse 37, he says, In the last day, the great day of the feast. Well, what feast is this? That's important. This is the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? The Feast of Tabernacles, one of the seven feasts of the Lord that we see in Scripture. And this feast commemorated the uh, God's preservation of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They celebrate God's preservation of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles was about. And even to this day, what they would do, uh, Orthodox Jews, what they do, they move out of their homes for a week and they'll live outside in booths. And I have a picture here of what those booths look like. Okay, uh, you can have the big thing is that it, it can have sides or whatever you make it from whatever. But the big thing is you have palm branches on the on the top of it as a roof. Okay. And, and, and this they would go outside and they would move out into these or they would have their meals outside in these booths, okay? And what would happen is when they lay down at night, the children would then look and they'd be able to see the stars. And when they would see the stars, they would, they would comment because children are inquisitive like that. So, oh, look, you know, we can see the stars. And that gives the parents an opportunity to teach their children about how their ancestors were preserved by God, sleeping under the stars, wandering 40 years in the wilderness. Amen. All of these feasts, there were opportunities for parents to instruct the next generation on the ways and, 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 and things of God. Amen. And so here they were, 40 years, they were preserved supernaturally. Amen. When we think of wilderness, we think of going out in the woods somewhere. There's a lot of greenery. There's a lot of trees. They were in the desert. They were in the desert, amen, with wild animals, other nations that could attack them, and a lack of water, amen, a lack of water. That was the biggest issue because you can go some time without food. You can't go that long without water, amen. Now, in the temple, what would happen during this festival, again, the Feast of Tabernacles, right? In the temple, during the feast, the priests would take jugs of water. And they would carry these jugs of water. We're talking like not, not little gallons. We're talking about big jugs of water. And they would take them from the temple all the way down into the Kidron Valley. And they would fill these jugs in the pool of Siloam. And then they would take the water from there and take it all the way back up to the temple. Now watch this. What they would do is they take the water then and they would splash it on the steps of the temple, on the pavement of the temple to remind the people of how God provided water out of a rock. How he provided water for them over and over again, amen, supernaturally while they were wandering in the wilderness again. And they would do this because the festival lasted eight days. So they would do this for seven days. Now, on the eighth day, y'all stay with me, I'm going somewhere. On the eighth day, what would happen is instead of the procession and everything happening, because when the priests came in, everybody would celebrate, everybody would shout, right? And then they would throw the water down and everybody would just sing praises to God. But on the eighth day, they wouldn't splash the water. 
They wouldn't splash the water because they were now in the fulfillment of the promise that God, they wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years and now God had brought them out of the wilderness into the promised land, a well-watered land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. And so on that eighth day, there'd be no splashing of the water because they had received the promise. This was the day that Jesus comes at the time when the priests would come out when they would normally splash the water because the priests would come out the same time every day. So on the eighth day, they would come out, but they wouldn't splash the water because of the fulfillment. So this is the day that Jesus comes and says, if any man thirsts, he sees pointing them to the real water. He's pointing them to the living water. He's saying, let me show you what my father was doing. Let me show you what he was setting you up for all these years. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So he says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Amen. He was saying the promise that you received was only a shadow. It was only a shadow, amen? Although it's a miraculous, uh, it was miraculous and a cause for celebration, it was to point you to the thirst quencher. Amen, the living water, amen? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to start reading at verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. Talking about the nation of Israel. They were all under the cloud. All passed through the sea. Verse 2. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse 3. All ate the same spiritual food. They had the bread from heaven that came down again. Symbolic of Jesus Christ. But then look at verse 4. And they all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So the water that they were drinking, again, was meant to, to satisfy their thirst, but it's really pointing them to a deeper significance of what was to come. Amen. And God promised to take it to another level. He said, I'm going to take this to another level. Amen. Hallelujah. So when he declares... In, in, in John chapter 7, he says, come to me. Remember, we talked about um, the, the Holy Spirit being with us. He says, come to me. The Holy Spirit is with us. He says, and um, come to me and drink. That means now the Holy Spirit is in us. So we come. We're with him. He brings conviction. We give our life to God. He indwells us. Now watch verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow. This is epi. Will flow, overflow, rivers of living water. Hallelujah. So he's saying, this is what I intended. This is what I was trying to do at the beginning. But I didn't want you to want to quench your natural thirst. I want to quench your spiritual thirst. Amen. You've got to obey your thirst. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. Let's look at verse 19. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and what? And rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Jesus is telling them the real thing is here. What you've been waiting for, what you've been looking for is here now. I invite you to come drink deeply and be satisfied. Amen. Hallelujah. And he says, watch this. Not only when you drink, will you be satisfied? But as you are immersed, the water that's in you, 
The water that's in you will become a fountain. I will give you rivers that flow from the desert. I will give you rivers that will flow from a heart that was previously dry. Hallelujah. He said, I'll make a people from those who were not a people. I will call them my chosen and they will declare my praise. Hallelujah. And that's how John gives us the insight. He said he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He wasn't talking about just the water and the pavement. No, come to me and I'll give you the Holy Spirit to overwhelm you, overflow in you. Hallelujah. The baptism of the Spirit is the ultimate thirst quencher because it comes a fountain in you that you can drink from any time. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for Sunday. You don't have to wait for a certain preacher or a certain person. No, you can drink from this well anytime. Why? Because the source of it is God who's on the inside of you. Hallelujah. See, family, as humans, we have a few very basic needs. We have some basic needs. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Abraham Maslow. He defined this as a hierarchy of needs, a hierarchy of needs. We're going to show a picture here with this hierarchy of needs. I'm going to just talk about it a little bit. Amen. So it actually starts from the bottom, the most basic needs, and then it then it goes up from there. Okay, but all these are the most basic needs. And when you see their physiological needs, right, you see air. That's a need. Amen. Water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. Okay, those are all physiologic needs. Okay, thirst is one of the most basic needs that we have as people. If you've ever been thirsty, like really thirsty, okay, you know what a cause for celebration it is when you get some water, amen? And you know how desperate you are and what lengths you will go to to get the water that you need, amen? That's this base level right here, amen? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if maybe you've never been that thirsty, let's look at some of the other things on the list, okay? Look at some of the other things on the list. The women got the pointed air. They rent air, they get it. Amen. They, they got it. We had to go all the way to the end, brothers, and see reproduction. Okay, ah, it makes sense now. Okay, we had to chase after, right? So there are some needs, and the thing is we do whatever we have to do to meet those needs. Amen. Now, we see physiologic needs. Then we see needs of safety, right? Needs of safety. We see love and belonging. Okay, love and belonging, that is a need. It's a need. It's something that we will fight for. It's something that we will contend for. It's something that we will do whatever it takes to fill that need. Why? Because it's one of our basic thirsts. All of these things that we see, all of these things on this hierarchy of needs can be defined as thirsts. Things that we thirst for. Things that we will become desperate for. Amen? The problem is that some thirsts are physiologic thirst, some thirsts are emotional thirst, some thirsts are spiritual thirst. And we're, as a triune being, we're spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body, and everything is so intertwined that a lot of times we don't know quite where we're thirsting. We don't know what's crying out, and so we give it what we think it needs. We try to meet sometimes emotional thirst. Um, and we're trying to, to, to connect with people. Sometimes we may have a, a spiritual need for love and we mistakenly try to feed that spiritual need for love with a physiologic need for love. Okay, we, we, we need to connect on a spiritual level, but we're, we're, we don't know where we're thirsting from. And so all we can do is give it what we think it needs. 
We end up in some illicit relationships. We end up doing some things that won't really meet the need because we don't know where we're thirsting from. See, every person has these basic thirsts. Why? Because they were placed there by God. They were placed there by God. But here's the thing, family. We can find the fulfillment of every one of these thirsts in Christ. We can find the fulfillment of every one of these thirsts in Christ if we have a physiologic need. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added to you. Amen. If we have a need for safety, we go to Psalms 91. Amen. We dwell in the secret place of the most high. If we have a need for love and belonging, look at Isaiah. I'm going to pull this one up. Look at Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1. If we have a need for love and belonging, look at what God says. He says, but now Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Amen. That just tugs on your heartstrings. God has said, I, I called you by your name. You're mine. You belong to me. And we know that the Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. We belong. Amen. You need some self-esteem? You need some esteem? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You need some esteem? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. When you know who you are, you act like who you are. Hallelujah. And so you'll get esteem from the word of God. You'll get esteem from Christ, from what he says about us. You want self-actualization? That means to live and become all that you were meant to become. He tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not evil to give you a hope, to give you a future. Amen. God wants you to achieve and become everything he purposed for you to be. So all of our needs we can find in Christ. Amen. And so the way that we obey our thirst is by coming to Jesus. The way we obey our, our thirst is by coming to him in every area of our lives for every aspect of our lives. Amen. We have to let the Holy Spirit reign over every goal, over every purchase, over every degree. Because what, what we end up doing is trying to use these things to meet needs that they're not meant to meet the need. Hallelujah. We'll get outside of God and try to meet these needs when God says, no, it's found in me. That's a counterfeit. We, we can go and buy stuff till our heart's content, but it's not going to fulfill us. Amen. We can chase degree after degree. We can chase job after job, career after career. But if we're not rooted and grounded in Christ, it will feel like nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. Every job, every position, what we're trying to do is we're trying to quench a thirst, but it can only be quenched by God. Amen. It's in him we live and move and have our being. It's in him. And so what we have to do, family, when we're quenching our thirst, we have to make sure we're drinking from the right fountain. We got to drink from the right fountain. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Hallelujah. That's where he comes in. He's the one that steers us to the right fountain. He's the one that steers us away from the wrong fountain. Hallelujah. I believe that one of our greatest thirsts out of this hierarchy of needs, and they're all important, but I think one of the greatest ones out of them is the need for love, is the need for love, for belonging, for acceptance. Like I was saying earlier, this is Mother's Day, and that's why Mother's Day sometimes can be such a time of joy, or sometimes for some it can be a time of hurt because the, of the, the impact 
that a mother's love has on a person. Amen. Again, we're designed to be nurtured by mom. Dad, dad, we love it. We love a little different. We give tough love. Amen. But when a mom is by herself, sometimes she has to fulfill both roles and there's not enough nurture. There's not enough balance there. Amen. With both parents, again, we're designed to get the balance. But the thing is, wherever we're lacking in love, wherever we're not receiving what we're supposed to get during our maturation process, amen, which is a continual process, amen, for the believer, what we're supposed to get when we don't get it from the right source, the devil will ensure that he steps in with a counterfeit. He will ensure that he comes in and tries to give you a cheap substitute for love. That's what he does. Amen. And so the world has so many counterfeits to fulfill it. So we have to be, again, baptized in the spirit so we'll know how to drink from the right fountain. So we'll know how to obey our thirst and go to the right source. Amen. Hallelujah. When you have one of these thirsts spring up, he'll lead you to the right place to drink from. Hallelujah. Look at Proverbs chapter 9, verse 17. See, because if you're not under the influence of the spirit... You're at risk of drinking from deadly waters. Amen. If we're not under the influence of the spirit when we're trying to fulfill these thirsts, these needs in our lives, we may end up drinking death and not even realizing it. Look at, the, at Proverbs chapter 9, verse 17. It says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Where are we getting our water from? Where are we obeying our thirst? Where are we trying to chase? What are we chasing after? What are we going after? Amen. Is it of God? Is it a source from God? Because if it's not, it will bring death. That's not what we're looking for. Amen. This is why Jesus said on the last great day of the feast, he said, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you need water, come to me. If you're needing something, come to me. If you have a physiologic need, if you have an emotional need, come to me. Hallelujah, I'll get you to the right place. And not only that, will I meet your need for the time, but I'll put a fountain in you that'll help you and continue to give you the thirst that you're looking for, give you the, the quench to your thirst that you're looking for. He says, I'll cause a fountain to well up in you. And not only would it satisfy you, but it'll begin to satisfy other people. I'll be able to flow out to other people. Glory to God. So let's look at our text this morning. Let's go back to John chapter four. Verse seven, we see a woman of Samaria who had come here to draw water. And Jesus told her, he says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria asked him, how is it that you, being a Jew, are asking me for a drink? The Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Now you got to understand the background here is that the Samaritans were a people who were half Jewish and half Gentile. When the, when the captivity took place, they had Assyrians come in and intermingled with the Israelites and, and, and tainted, if you will, the bloodline, the pure bloodline. So you had those who were half Assyrian and half Jew, and they weren't accepted anywhere. They weren't accepted with the Assyrians and they weren't accepted with the Jews. So they had to make their own thing. That's why if, if somebody was an Israelite and they had to travel, they would go around Samaria. They would add time to their journey just to not have to go through Samaria. But Jesus said, no, I need to go to Samaria. I have to go through there. There's somebody I've got to meet. There's an appointment. I have an appointment. Hallelujah. In Samaria. Thank God for appointments. Amen. Hallelujah. He has some divine appointments. Amen. I had one. Glory to God. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, this was verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew 
the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Hallelujah. He was saying, look, you're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see something different. You've been used to natural water. He's, he's telling this woman, I'm trying to get you to see something different. She's still stuck in the natural right here. She says, but sir, verse 11, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? And she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? Of course he is. Are, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock. But look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. Family, if you're trying to quench your thirst with the wrong thing, you're going to thirst again. If we're trying to meet a need and it's outside of the will of God, you're going to thirst again. Hallelujah. And so what happens sometimes is we feel like we can keep drinking and drinking outside of the will of God. And because nothing's happened to us yet. We feel like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. Nobody knows or it's not affecting me. It's not detrimental, but you're drinking death. You don't want to drink death. You want to go to the well. You want to go to the source. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You want a fountain on the inside. He says, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Too often we're like this woman at the well. We're thirsty, but we don't know what we're thirsty for. Every time we sense it, the Holy Spirit tells us to obey our thirst. He's saying, come to me, come to Jesus. But instead we go out and we give it what we think it needs. Look at verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I thirst, nor come here to draw. She's still in the natural. So Jesus does something. Watch this. He says in verse 16, he says, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you, you, you spoke truly. See, this woman was looking for something that she needed from God in people. But nobody could satisfy that desire. And God won't allow you to so you know that you still need him. Hallelujah. Now, understand this. This woman had an aching in her soul. She had an aching in her soul. And I don't think Jesus brought this thing up to embarrass her. I don't think he, brought, he, I don't think he did it to embarrass her. I think what he was doing, he was diagnosing the root of the problem by talking about an uncomfortable symptom. Sometimes in medicine, when we have a patient that comes in, they'll be talking all around the real issue. They won't deal with the real issue and what's really going on because they don't want to talk about it. It's embarrassing to them. But what they don't understand is that's the very thing that will unlock the diagnosis. That's the very thing that will tell us what's going on. But when you fail to mention it, well, it's listed in the symptoms. But if you don't talk about it and if I ask you about it and you don't admit to it, well, now that I don't know what's wrong with you. See, this is the thing. Jesus had the inside track. He knew he, he raised up an uncomfortable thing to talk about. He raised up a symptom that was the root of the problem. He said, stop treating the symptoms. It's not another man you need. No, you need the man. You had six men. No, you need number seven, the completion. You need the, the man, Jesus Christ. That's who you need. Her promiscuity was a sign of an aching in her soul. And she was trying to meet it and treat it with everything else. But watch what happens here. When Jesus brings this up, it unlocks the root of the real need. Look at this, verse 19. 
the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I perceive that you're a prophet. And think about it. I need you to see this differently because I know I've read this several times. I've read this all my life several times and I just, I, I, I didn't see it this way that the Lord showed it to me today. He says, look, she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Finally, somebody who can help me. Finally, somebody who knows that what I'm doing isn't working. Finally, somebody that knows that I have a need that goes much deeper. I need love and I can't find it. But watch this. It goes even deeper because she knew. Oh, watch the conversation. She knew that real love comes from God. Oh, hallelujah. She says, since you're a prophet, please help me solve this mystery. Look at verse 20. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. She says, there it is. I'm looking for the love of God. That, that's what I really need. I'm, I'm, and you help me to realize this is what she's telling Jesus. I've been going to this person and this person. No, I need the love of God, but I can't get to him. I can't get to him. Why? Because I'm a Samaritan. Remember what I told you. Half Jew, half Gentile. The, the Assyrians didn't want him and the Jews didn't either. She says, I'm looking for the love of God, but I can't find it in the church. I can't find it in the people that I know know God. See, the Samaritans had their own system. They had their own Torah. They had their own manner of worshiping. They had their own temple. That's why they weren't accepted. That's why they weren't accepted by the Jews. And so the people who had the real God, the people that had the true and living God, shunned them. She said, I need love, but I don't know where to go to get it. And family, we have so many people in the church just like this. We have so many people that are coming to church, but because of who I am, because of where I've been, because of what I've done, I can't find love. And so don't blame me for doing what I'm doing in the street if you won't help me find the love that I need. Glory to God. Family, I'm telling you there's a harvest coming in here. There's a harvest coming. The Holy Spirit is pricking the hearts of people. He's touching people and he's telling them, obey your thirst. What you're doing isn't working. And so I need you to come. I need you to come. I need you to come to the church and we got to be ready. We got to be ready with love. We have to have the love of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Oh, hallelujah. She's longing to be embraced by God, but they wouldn't let her in. So I just want to be right with God. But this denomination says this and this group over here says this. And I'm just sick of it all because nobody has the answers. Jesus said to her in verse 21. Says, believe me. Believe me assuredly. Believe me. The hour is coming. When you'll neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. But we know what we worship for. Salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming where it won't matter if you're Jew. It won't matter if you're Gentile. The true worshipers is the one that God is looking for. And I'm trying to tell you that time is here. Glory to God. That time is here. He says, and now is the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. I know that when he gets here, I'll be free of all this stuff. I know that he's going to help me get to God. I know when he gets here, I'll be free. I know when he gets here, I won't have to keep running around. I know when he gets here, I'll find the love that I'm looking for. He says, it's me. I'm here, the one that's speaking to you. I am he. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Family, we're thirsty. We're thirsting. 
We're thirsty. And we need to be filled. We need to be filled. We need love. We need the love of God. Hallelujah. And there's only one source. You've got to find the love of God from God. There's no other source. There's no counterfeit that's going to that's gonna do what you need. There's no counterfeit that's going to give you what you're looking for. Glory to God. But look at this. Look at what the Holy Spirit does. I'm going to try and close with these scriptures here. Look at what the Holy Spirit does. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Hallelujah. It says, now hope does not disappoint. Watch this. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. He not only fills us with power, he fills us with love. Oh, glory, hallelujah. When you're looking for love in all the wrong places, you need the Holy Spirit to fill you because when he fills you, he fills you with an over sense of the love of God, an overwhelming sense of the love of God. He fills us to overflowing. It's not just about powers and signs and wonders and miracles. It's about love. Hallelujah. If we don't have love, we're bankrupt. I don't want to go laying hands on people and healing people, but I don't love them. Hallelujah. It's the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. He lavishes his love on us. Hallelujah. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 15. He says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Not only does he give us love, he gives us a sense of belonging. He lets us know we have a family. He lets us know we have a daddy that loves us. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. He lets us know that we're, we're not outsiders. No, he's brought us near. Hallelujah, he's brought us near. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Look at verse 17, Romans 8, 17. He says, let me, let me back up to verse 16. says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. Because we suffer with him, we'll be glorified together. We belong to God. We have a family. We have a daddy who loves us, who listens to us, who cares about us, who wants us to be in his presence. Look at Galatians 4. Verse six, he says, and because you are sons, because you are sons, hallelujah, because you are sons, God has sent forth his, the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you're no longer a slave, but a son, and of a son and an heir of God through Christ. The Holy Spirit baptizes us to remind us that we're free. To remind us that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're free. Hallelujah. He reminds me that I'm an heir of God. I'm a son. I belong to him. Hallelujah. Watch this. Look at, look at verse, uh, verse 6 again. One more time. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. Look at this again. He says, it's going to free somebody right here. He says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son. Why? Because you're sons. Some of us feel like we're, we're outside and we, we can't do enough to earn God's love and, and he does not going to receive me. He says, no, I'm giving you my spirit because you're my son. It's what I talked about when we talked about asking for the baptism of the spirit. Do it because you asked him. He'll do it because you asked him and believe him. Believe him because he said he'll do it. Because he's your father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit so we can properly, properly obey our thirst. Isaiah 44, verse 3. He says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. He said, it's overwhelming, highly overwhelming. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Hallelujah. Let's close with this last verse. John chapter 7, verse 37. Let me read it out of the Amplified Version. It says, now on the final and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, that's relationship. That's relationship. Who cleaves to, to be joined in an inseparable manner and trusts in me and relies on me. As the scripture said, from his inmost being shall flow continuously springs and livers of living water. He says, I'm not just going to give you a drink for today. I'm going to give you a fountain that will satiate you every day. You'll never have to thirst again. You can drink deeply anytime you want to. Hallelujah. You don't have to feel thirsty again. Family, you don't have to feel thirsty again. You don't have to be lonely again. You don't have to be addicted anymore. Hallelujah. You don't have to stay in the bondage of sin. You, can, you don't have to try to draw life from a relationship outside of God. You don't have to experience fulfillment outside of God. You don't have to go chasing after contentment outside of God. There's a fountain in you that God wants to put in you. He's, he obey your thirst. Glory to God. You can't satisfy spiritual thirst with physical things. Emotional things, intellectual things, worldly things. God is calling us to drink deeply at the well. Hallelujah. That's what this time is about. I told you before that the Lord says that this is the time to go get oil. Like the five virgins, the, the ten virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. He said, this is the time to go get your oil. I'm telling you, it's also the time to drink deeply of God. To drink deeply of him. To get a fountain of overflowing, living water flowing from your spirit. Hallelujah. That's what we need. That's what we need. Take this time. Drink deeply. Drink deeply. Amen. Obey your thirst. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We bless you. Bless you, Father, for your spirit. Bless you, Lord, for all the things that you're you said your spirit would do for us and in us. Thank you, Lord. Could we depend on you, God? We can't do any of this on our own.